Welcome to the Big Black Clock Podcast. Now, here comes trouble. Mm. That's my contribution. Did you guys see that Saturday Night Live uh, sketch where they have the black eyed peas? Black No. They receive it and then they're like they're there and they're Doesn't like the producer goes, is. Okay, what are you guys gonna sing? And then one goes, run in, run in, and run in, run in, and run in, run in. And he goes, oh, what are you going to do? He goes, bow, bow. <laughs> and it's the song. It's exactly. And the girl goes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like, he goes, oh, I love it. It's so deep. <laughs> and then he put, it's exactly the song. Oh, <laughs> that, was a, yeah. that was a good time when, uh, like 2005 around, right? Yeah, when yeah. You're all big, hairy. Very song. catchy. Very, oh, yeah. Ten, it's like, tonight's going to be. And he was like, what are you going to do? He goes, woo. <laughs> <laughs> he goes what are you gonna say let's get it up and what are you gonna say he goes ha and let's he goes get it mazel tov <laughs> it just it doesn't make any <laughs> sense but we're it, kind of like the party rock guys right yeah. uh, LMFAO but yeah. it's actually the song party rock anthem very very so catchy good. such a good song very catchy alright whole way of dancing like shuffle there. shuffle yeah yeah alright so welcome back to the big black clock we are at episode 85 holy shit that's a lot of episode, guys. That's more than 10. I'm not a math scientist. <laughs> Dare I say, it's a lot of evidence. <laughs> it's more than 10. It's goddamn, it's a lot of evidence. Like, I guess our chances of getting into SNL are pretty slim, right? At this point, we'll get canceled. <laughs> you mean the building? <laughs> not even. I can't get into New York. <laughs> yeah. After, uh, you know. I can't even leave my house for like further than like 60 feet. <laughs> My, my ankles start are, beeping. My house arrest doesn't let <laughs> me do anything. Get electric shock like a dog collar. <laughs> the invisible fence. All right. So, how you guys doing? What's going on? Doing good. Yeah. Doing good. By the way, I'm still waiting on those uh, like letter bands for fixed slug for my. my yes, I have a upstairs. Yeah, I'll show yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. I have it for my so, uh, GP. passive aggressive. Oh yeah. Fixed D. Like I, um, I, that's the only reason I have this watch right now. It's because last I you haven't me. worn it all week. Uh well I've I've like I've, I've, yesterday I've, yeah first I've, half of the week it was uh, the Rolex <clears throat> the Air King oh yeah I forgot you also have a Rolex you fancy <laughs> fancy you <laughs> yeah um yeah no so yeah, everything's all right pretty pretty nice pretty neat I, I like the subject we have today I think it was pretty cool to yeah. look into it I think uh, uh it was a good subject but uh, you know I'll, I'll quickly also ask, answer how I am doing no just because. I feel like it makes sense. Nobody asked. How are you doing? Asked. Nobody asked. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Sierra, this week is the first week we're starting to slowly reintegrate into the office, and I've I've had a headache every every day. It's like now they're making me move out. <laughs> I had a headache I've been every there for day. Two years in the office. I think it's from the computer screen because it's a bit different. Like I had a headache every day this week so far. Maybe it's the lighting. It's the lighting. Maybe, Maybe there's some humming, like some like high pitched noise somewhere in the elevator near the elevator. We get in the used office. to. Uh, you get used to it, but like. Honestly, uh, it's an adjustment period. Yeah, maybe it's people talking to me. It's like, don't talk. It's all <laughs> yeah, in my head. It's like, why do you keep waking me up? Stop there, waking me up. I'm <laughs> sleeping so well. <laughs> were there a lot of people? No. Well, my floor is uh, my floor got demolished in a sense that people uh, all got everybody got outsourced because it's mostly IT. My floor. Every, right. Everybody's working remotely right now. IT. And we had well, uh, uh, we had um, uh, like a, an operations department in there yeah. that got shut down and moved to another town. But that, that's unrelated to the pandemic. So, so um, did you keep your desk or were like everything reappropriated? Uh, no, I have the same desk, but I'm probably going to move. Okay. Uh, somewhere, and, somewhere between. And did they create like 
social distancing protocols? No, there's and, nothing. Okay. Because my office went through a phase where they were like, okay, we're going to reintegrate. The pandemic was still around, right? And so every second desk was was became a, an empty slot. So it created like okay, someone sits, no, no one can sit there. Someone sits, no one can sit. And everyone gave up their desks. And then you had to rent the desk, well, book the desks in their calendar. So it's too complicated for my company. It's too smart. There's too <laughs> many steps. <laughs> no, but because there was this whole, uh, no, we actually have doors where you scan your card, the door opens automatic. Uh, to avoid touching there was arrows at one point to say no you only walk this way on oh, the well, floor okay. no we don't have but it's that. because you there was a wrong turn you get exited a building <laughs> damn it again exactly <laughs> god <laughs> how did i go downstairs i'm in the basement yeah but um yeah so we had a lot of those guidelines so but at the moment like i went to the office but you guys are mostly it right so my uh, department's all software engineering because Okay, what I mean is my company is more is very like operations, very very old school, right? So it's very yeah. difficult for them to create do anything that is forward thinking in that in that sense, yeah. right? Well, us we were just because we're like, oh, we're going back to the office, and this was like last summer, mm-hmm. and they're, so mm-hmm. we're like, this is the way we're going to do it, and make sure everyone is uh, is um, feels safe and all that. Yeah. What they're doing though is that they're gonna because the, the building the company owns like all the floors in the building. It's like seventeen floors. So oh, you guys own the building? Well, I think, sorry, no, we don't own the building. It's a no. lease, but it's a multi-year lease and for, for every floor. Yeah. They, uh, they're they going to sub-lease floors. So they're gradually moving out yeah. uh, people and moving into the lower floors because right now it's half empty. No, uh, sorry, it, I'm probably being even like optimistic. It's not even half empty. It's so probably like 80% empty, the building. So let me ask you, what would, would you wear as a watch to work? I wore a Speedmaster all week. These days? Yeah, okay. Well, because it's the one that f- easily fits under a cuff. <coughs> Yeah, like my uh, my SPB, my SPB doesn't really fit very well. I was about well. to ask, it doesn't. I, I gotta try because right now it's on a rubber shop. I feel it's a bit more finicky. Okay. Uh, the I still have the Laco. Laco is a bit larger. It should be fine still. Yeah. I, I just wanted so. to wear my Speedmaster. There you go. Yeah. And you. I don't need an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> and what do, what are you wearing this week? I am wearing my uh, Timex that you guys gave me for my birthday. Nice. You know, I like. I was looking at. it, I was like, man, you know what's nice about that is like compared to the Casio. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> There was nothing nice about it. The Casio version, like those small little Casios, are like it's like a little bit uh, lug to lug is longer. It's wider, so it fits better on your wrist. It's a little nicer, yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit more uh, fitting. It it makes it reminds me of, but we've seen that, right? It reminds me of uh, a vintage digital Seiko. Yeah, it very very much so. Also, by the way, I think the Casio. uh, I'm not sure if the Casios you're talking about the full all metal. It's uh, granted though, it's not like a very expensive metal, right? It doesn't feel like a very expensive metal. But I felt like the Casio versions are part plastic. I might be wrong, but I think it depends the version. Yeah, yeah. So I think the one you got was like black and they like made a plastic Maybe. out of it. Yeah, yeah. The light though here is just unreal. It's <laughs> just that's the best. It's the best part. The best part of the watch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even understand why. Will there. Buxton watch. And what are you wearing, uh, Carl? Uh, the Tudor Pelagos <coughs> okay, FXD. That's enough. Next. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I did the whole name of the watch, so I did answer the question. Uh, so, yes, the FXD is still on the uh, Velcro that comes with it. I didn't purchase any bands yet. But uh, Kevin, last time I saw him, he's like, hey, next time you're ever at my place, bring your FXD. I have some uh, bands for it. So and you're uh, still waiting. I'm still waiting. It's unacceptable. I've been here for like two an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Living in the basement for the last week. Camping out. Yeah. Um, oh, and uh, yourself? I'm wearing... <coughs> And I think it's um, it's a, a fun watch. I'm wearing my Isotope GMT zero degrees, so it's a, a micro brand. And what's cool about it is the way they do the the GMT function on this, and uh, you know we're getting back to 
being able to travel again, getting back to summer. And, uh, you know, so I was like, you know what? Let me get this uh, GMT on, on the, the metal bracelet. It's cool is that when you buy this watch, it comes with a metal bracelet. They also give you a leather bracelet. They give you a cord, uh, Cordura brace, uh, strap, and it's all quick release, 200 meters of water resistance, uh, very ingenious and modern looking uh, GMT. But yeah, now they're able to travel again. GMTs uh, seem like fun. Maybe we should uh, do an episode on that. Yes. Or foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Yeah. Or three. Um, yeah, so sometimes four and a half. This episode, which um, so I know Carl's really excited about it. I can see by the you know size of his. But but how but how the, his beard is tingling. <laughs> keep keep uh, <laughs> keep trying, little guy. Uh, and uh, they call me the Almighty Tic Tac. No <laughs> one has ever called you that. <laughs> No one's ever <laughs> called you that. Well, your mom did. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so the, what we're doing this week is we're going to go through some watches that we wish they'd bring back. Some watches that the uh, that are no longer around. They were like, ah, I wish this was still around. And um, we hope you enjoy the show. So we pi- all pi- we picked every three, four each. Three. You picked three, obviously. Uh, we picked four. Dimitri and I, of course, because that yeah, was I got assignment. Four. Yeah, I got four. yeah. So let's uh, we'll start with uh, let's start with you, Dimitri. What do you got for us? All right, all right, all right. I'm t- I'm trying to perfect my uh, my Jimmy Connor accent. Um, <laughs> Four. <laughs> it's gonna be a lifelong uh, <laughs> journey. <laughs> a dream. Yeah. Um, At least you have so- you can rest easy knowing that if ever he played a Russian Stalin dictator, yeah, <laughs> it'd be you. Jesus Christ, a war criminal. <laughs> <laughs> God just damn. All of the words. <laughs> <laughs> God no, no. Damn. I think we should keep it just to yeah, yeah. show the, the world your real colors. Yeah, my colors. Yeah. My colors. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> already so much work we're like nine minutes in <laughs> yep um so first watch uh, uh it's actually it's actually three different watches i'm a big fan <laughs> of glc in general there's a brand glc it's uh they have a line of watches called master control master control is actually a pretty cool line of watches which initially started in 1992 uh and that was um, uh, designed to represent something that's a classical and pure in watchmaking. So they made, you know, they keep making since 1992, they kept making Master Control, which were um, dress watches, very, very elegant, very subdued. Uh, the watch in question that I think that I wish they brought back is that in 2017, to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Master Control, they released a new lineup of Master Control uh, watches uh, called the Sector Dial. I think. I'm not sure if they're officially called the sector dial. No, I think they uh, just had sector people, dial. People yeah. call them the sector dials. If you Google sector dial, you'll, you'll see them right away. They released three separate watches. They released a chronograph. Uh, uh, they released a, a more standard one that's called the, the, the master control date. And then another one that's more of a world timer. Uh, it's called the, the geographic. Uh, so that, that sector dial anniversary collection was aimed to be a homage to the classic watchmaking of the 20th, mid-20th century. And the sector dial itself is a style that was popular, I'd say, at the beginning to mid-20th century with um, a very, very distinct feature being uh, the, the, the dial split into multiple sectors, let's say. The smaller, oh my God. The smaller subdial in the middle and that's, the larger around That's what it. they called it? <laughs> Multiple sectors. Mostly, I, I think the, the 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 actual reason as to why they did that design specifically is not is not necessarily for out of necessity. I think it's more of a style choice. Uh, usually, the smaller dial corresponds to the size of the hour hand, and the larger one the second hand or mi- the minute hand. Sorry. Uh, 
Uh, along with first master control watches, GLC also created um, its 1,000-hour control program, which subjected uh, finished watches to a six-week quality control, including water resistance, movement through various positions, and temperature impact. So maybe today, if you look at this kind of stuff, it doesn't sound like an extraordinary achievement, but uh, by 1992 metrics, not a lot of watch companies were doing those kind of tests, which is where the initial name master control came from. Right. Mm-hmm. So the watch that I like, I, I do, uh, I'd say out of the three watches I like the, the geographic the least, it's just not my cup of tea. It's a nice watch, but I am not a, a fan of that uh, bottom uh, opening in the dial that shows different cities. Well, it's it, it's better than if it was all the cities around it, right? I, I don't know. Over I got to see it, right? But yeah. it, I mean, it's still a very nice watch, right? It's just out, out of the three watches that are awesome, this is my least favorite one, right? If it, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, better yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, 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 the chronograph is super nice, uh, but the one that I really wish they brought back, because I really love just a general dress watch that's a sector dial, is the classic sector dial with a date. Uh, that specific watch is 39 millimeters uh, mm-hmm. in diameter, 8.5 millimeters thick. It has a GLC Calibre 899-1 uh, with a 38-hour power reserve, and it's a 4 hertz movement. Initially, it was priced at 5,700 yeah. USD. 5,700, uh, And now, on Corona 24, I checked, you can probably buy it for 75. So it's still, a, it's still accessible. It's, it's actually cheaper than the current lineup of Master Control. Wait, 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 7,500 Canadian? USD. Oh, USD, okay. So why not? So about $2,000 more yeah. than... Yeah. I'm sure if you want to get it like in a nice and very high quality, very good condition, probably pay a bit more. That that was a pretty excellent chronograph at 10k. When you're looking at that series, you go, that could have been <coughs> beautiful. A dress chronograph that does everything. You know, that was it. Yeah, uh, the chronograph itself reminds me also because it has a syringe dials, a syringe hands. It yeah. reminds me a little bit of like vintage, like a Patek or something, right? Of <coughs> Yeah. Uh, so that's my first pick. I really, really love GLC in general. I, I'm surprised I still don't own. Well, you know what? I sold the house. Maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> Was it even mine? <laughs> Was it mine? Yeah. I just forged. I just forged the, some papers. Watch Pain and Gain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pain and Gain, as they say. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's that, my, that fir- movie my first was pick. Insane. It was so ridiculous. Yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> it's like based on the true story. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> Went online. It is. It is <laughs> but you're just watching. You go, there's no way out of this. Like there was only one way that was going to happen. Yeah, it was right? ridiculous. It was yeah. insane. Yeah. Nice. So, Carl, do you want to go next? Tell us what you got on your list here. So, my next watch uh, is an Omega Speedmaster. Oh. Oh, oh, which one? Which limited edition he's going to talk about? Is it 1010? It is a 10-10. Uh, um, it wasn't limited edition per se, but it flopped so bad when it came out. <laughs> um, so the 1010 is um, a really unique variation of the Speedmaster. Uh, it was launched in at Basel World in 2013 and only remained in production for two years. Okay. So 24 months, that's pretty short. It's what we could say a limited edition, but they didn't present it as a limited edition. It was supposed to be just part of the line. <clears throat> the, the reason that they only uh, took it, uh, leave it only two years available is because it flopped so bad, they o- sold just over 2,000 units. Oh, it flopped really bad. They only sold over 2,000 units. Like I, I wonder if it was the same issue with the Jeje de Côte. Because they never announced it as a limited. They just stopped selling but it after a while. But it was an anniversary edition, though. Like, do they really pr- keep producing anniversary editions? It doesn't make sense to keep producing a 25th anniversary edition if you, if you already reach like 30. say it's right? limited or then eventually stop it. I don't know. They no. give people a chance. I don't know. Maybe. And, the, and you can still get those watches. We were in the store and the guy still had one, right? In RAD. He still had the Geophysique. Yeah. The Geo... Uh, not the Geophysique. The Geographic. The, yeah. the Geographic. Yeah. It makes you wonder, but... Maybe. 
I don't know. But I mean, I, for I me, wanted. for me, if somebody releases like a like a 25th anniversary edition, it has to be limited because the 25th anniversary doesn't exist at 30 years, right? It should be limited to that year. So anyone who wants to buy it and buys it can get it that yeah, year. Yeah, that's if it. You go in a calendar. But that I would think, be cool. That's but probably. I think that watch only existed for one year. I agree. I I don't know if it went longer than that. You're right. Anyway. So the Tang Tang, so that model uh, came about uh, when Omega was forging a partnership with the owner of uh, RG uh, Legacy, right? The like I don't know if it's a family or if it's a private entity, but the people who own everything that RG did. Entity. Entity. You lost the train of thought immediately. I was just trying to think of titties. You got me there. You got me there. Stop drooling. <laughs> the, the reason that they approached that is because uh, Tintin, uh, one in one of the uh, comics, did went on the moon. In fact, it went t- on the moon twenty years before the Apollo mission did. Oh no! Oh no! He he uh, was first. <laughs> it wasn't in real life though. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a fitting choice for uh, like the moon watch, right? Uh, and that's what that's why you see the checkered pattern, uh, uh, red and white, um, around the watch. It's the same colors as the uh, rocket that Tintin used to go on the moon. Um, so the thing is, the uh, owners of the RG Legacy, uh, they backed out of the project. So that's why it's never, well, it's beep, never really... Beep, beep. <laughs> exactly. They went all full uh, semi-truck on, on them. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so they backed out, and that's why it was never really called the thing from Omega. It was like a nickname people give it, right? Um, but they had a clause in the contract, and they were still able to produce the watch with a color scheme. They're just not able to have the uh, case back with the Tintin information on it. Okay. Right? Because this watch was supposed to add some Tintin references on the case back. Is it, uh, it didn't. a How classic come? Speedmaster? Without yeah. like n- nothing, nothing, standard mechanism, standard everything, right? Just the, just the look, right? Yeah. But why Tintin is the Explorer? The, uh, why Tintin? Yeah, that's a good uh, point. Huh? What I just said, you, uh. you went on the moon, Tintin? No, I know. Like it's just that. That's the only reference yeah, to it. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's Omega. They're gonna milk every chance of something talking about the moon. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. every watch company milks every chance they have if they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I was looking into it, and if you go just before the pandemic, it was still affordable at like eight, nine, ten. Uh, right now, they go for twenty-eight, thirty. Oh my God! Why? They went up four hundred and thirty-one percent within the last two years. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> like a full set, like a box paper and everything. Uh, so now they're collectible. The people uh, they just figured out. And I was reading into it, and it's because there's like all those big watch media picked up stories about the Tintin pretty much at the same time, and it just they created a hype around it, and people yeah. start purchasing it like left and right. Um, that's one of my. F- it's my favorite Speedmaster, and. The reason I wanted they want it to be back is just because it wasn't a special edition that was like a crazy metal or like super complex or it was just like a Speedmaster with a different scheme on it. And um, what? Because I I've heard you mention this watch many times before. Also, mm-hmm. like what appeals to you in that watch the most? The yeah. little boy. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn! Right? You just uh, have to. You gotta check it that he's eighteen. Yeah, no. Uh, that's what there's a timer, right? After a minute. It's oh my god! Uh, that's why you have the. That's why you have the the the, the, the countdown. Right? <laughs> Goddamn! Um, I don't know what the, I just find it really really cool. Like the the, um, the inner bezel with the color. You on like it. the color scheme? It's a very no. cool. It's a very very cool design. Right, it's different. They could have just changed the like catameter, tachymeter, tachymeter, right? Uh, colors on the outside, but no, they went with a different dial. Uh, it kind of a step to. Um, 
with, uh, within the circle of the speedmasters are awesome. This one's nice. This one's nice. The one you have. Uh, Everybody wants <laughs> speedmaster. Yeah. Um, so it's the um, classic. Um, well, classic. The standard spec. So it's uh, yeah. 42 millimeters. It's 50 meter water resistance. <laughs> Does it have the 1861 movement? It's the manual movement in it. So yeah. It's the, uh, yes, 1861. Yeah. Same one as mine. Yeah. So I think it was around for like 25 years, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 1861. So yeah, manual winding, 48 hours per reserve, 18 joules at 21,000. 21, Is it a also? Uh, plexiglass okay so yeah, it's the same so it's basically it's exactly the same as just the the, the yep. man imagine imagine and the back is the same as the original speedmaster or something else now? i mean i'm sure uh, it's slightly it, different wording uh the wording on it is all in red okay but that's it it was supposed to be a tank so you're basically back, you're basically paying like a twenty five thousand dollar premium for ginger. just a different color dial for like a racetrack around the dial or yeah. no issue, but the, the red, the checkered flag. There. Yeah, but yeah, they go right now. Look, there's uh, twenty six to thirty eight thousand dollars. What a crazy world watch industry is, eh? Yeah. So they sold what a mess. just over two thousand units in store, but they never said how many watches they built. So maybe they had like four, five, six, ten thousand of them built already, right? The, those styles at least. Um, so yeah, so people are literally like just speculating on how many watches there are there. That's why they're that, that expensive if, now. I wonder if watch brands can keep some of the stock behind to see how it performs. And if it's skyrockets, they, they'll kind of shop, put them into the used watch market or something, right? Sell them for crazy it, money. That's the thing is, how do they make a buck off of it? They won't. They, they'll have to sell, sell it to some resellers, to a middleman who will actually sell it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and that person would sell it as a used or like uh, or open box, let's say brand new. New yeah. old stock. It's very unethical, yeah, yeah, but not traceable. No, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it could leak, you know. Could yeah, you could could really hurt your reputation. And, you and they're like, that. oh no, like like oh, wait, with money, <laughs> wiping their face with money. He's like, oh no, we're so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so yeah, that was my first pick, and uh, it's a Speedmaster that wasn't a limited edition, but kind of was, <laughs> kind okay. of was, because all the nice Speedmasters are limited edition, right? No, if you want a no, good no, one, no, no, no. Some of the ones are just standard production. Uh, <laughs> stop, stop lying. So uh, you, uh, Kevin. So the watch I went with was actually, I'm going to skip the one I want. I'm going to go to the other one on my list because I think it fits with what you had just said. Mine's a Tag Heuer, Tag Heuer Carrera, the CS3111. That is a reissue from 1964. A little bit of a misconception. It actually came out in 1963 and not 64 like most say if you actually wow, liars. have a look at it. exactly. <laughs> I'll never buy anything from them again. After my Monaco caliber 11 this is my favorite watch this is part of the hoyer um collection say the before the technica van gaal got involved this watch came in very significantly as one of those reissues that came in 1996 um it was the beginning of those hoyer reissues it is a 36 millimeter stainless steel 13 millimeter stick plexiglass 44.4 millimeter lug to lug so it's a perfect unisex watch if anything 18 millimeter lugs wears very traditional sports and dress watch all at the same time has a beautiful factory perforated strap like my hoyer is this angular monoblock case so everything goes through that monoblock um uh, how can i say composition the indices actually are the applied indices the applique indices are actually filled with tritium and that's why they have these angular cuts to the indices that make them twinkle. The outer ring itself on the dial has a riot, so it's not just flat. It kind of like has a riot. It kind yeah. of curves up to give it, which is a really nice touch. The, the registers have the dishes that are sunken, 
And again, what's the link to the moon watch that you just said? This has the Lemania movement, the Omega 1861. So this is a manual wine 8173 based on that Omega 1861. That was based so, on the Lemania. Yeah, no, but that's the, that's <laughs> They're the all based on each other. So that's, that's the movement that went to the moon. So it's a 3 hertz, 18 joules, 48-hour cam column wheel chronograph. And at the moment I was looking, you can have that watch for five grand. U.S. or Canadian? 20, Canadian. Wow. Chrono 24. I was just showing him a second ago that you mentioned that watch. This watch is on my list, my watch list. It's been there forever. It's an excellent It's a beautiful, watch. beautiful chronograph. And it is a <coughs> hoyer, it is really hoyer. And it is from his best collection that Jack Hoyer had uh, back in the day. It's a really wonderful reissue. And it has the. And is it Jack or Jacques? <laughs> no, Jack. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jack. Okay. Yeah. There's no, I don't think it's Q as a J A C K. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um,. So yeah, that that was my uh, first pick. I know I kind of went quickly through it, but that watch has no, a lot okay. of. It's, it's a fantastic, it's a really watch. great little so watch. That that reissue was uh, was nineties in the nineties. Nineties, okay. It's a reissue of a nineteen sixties watch, but they yeah, did yeah. it. It is the, so the going, perfect yeah. faithful reissue. So it's going on thirty years old, like the one there's are coming right now, right? The one that go yeah. for five to seven k. Yeah, some of them. Yeah. Um, it doesn't look like it. It's like timeless. It's amazing, and that watch is a perfect ratio. It's of the, the same. One in the it's 60s. the same as the Speedmaster because it has that very like very kind of subdued yeah. design where it's just it's just very high contrast. It's just black and white, nothing else. Fits perfectly. Yeah. Even like my Monaco. My Monaco is essentially a reissue of the 1969 one with a few differences Giggity. on the pushers. Giggity. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. that that watch also is has aged very well in terms of the design. Right. It's just yeah. the the Steve McQueen. So ever so. Uh, uh, Ever got the chance to see someone in person? Yeah, I saw that one in person. Yeah. And, uh, Which one? The Carrera. This one. Oh, you uh, saw it in person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where'd you see it? Uh, it was actually here in Chateau d'Ivoire. Oh, okay. yeah, that's amazing. Uh, <coughs> at a given time. But the thing is, the stock is, there's still some stock out in Chrono 24, but that's a really, really great one. That one could go well, up the, in price. The, it's very similar to your Montreal in a lot of ways. Yes, but it well, is. the Montreal is inspired by, the, right. by that Carrera. So. Yeah. It's also a legendary watch from that brand, and it's and anyone goes, oh, you got a tag Hoyer. It's not. It really isn't. If anything, God man, it. it's, it's going on my list. It's honestly like, is there anything that's good that's tag? Huh? It, it, every single watch that's good from them is Hoyer. It's Hoyer, not a tag yeah, watch. yeah, yeah. The only thing I think, that, like some claim okay, yeah. that they did very good was, you know, um, I really think they did a great job with. Um, being able to create a Swiss tourbillon for under 20,000 at the time, like 20 years, 15 years ago. They were the first to do that. Um, and they created, you know, a good built watch uh, at a good price as well. You know, you can go in and pay half the price of a Breitling and get a really good watch. And it was buzzing. You know, it had really good sponsors. It was it was, it was, was Tiger Woods. It was really popular. It had its moment. And they're, they're nice, but their their catalog just got too big. And at one point you go, well... You guys are doing better than Longines, but now like Longines has surpassed them. Yeah, I feel like I feel like some watches when they get really popular, they they like just explode their catalog so they can everyone who know the brands can buy something for themselves. Like it just get greedy, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like oh, we'll offer something for everyone because everyone know who we are right now. Yeah, I feel that's their approach, and after that, they just they feel fat. Like <laughs> there's like so much they go. Ugh. You kind of lose. Yeah, you gotta like dig through it to find the nice stuff. You know. Right. It's too bad because when you have something really nice, you go, it kind of gets polluted by everything else. And that's, I, I feel Tag Heuer kind of have done that, mm. taken a step back. But they're yep. they're doing better. I think the last few releases they've done the last few years, you know, that isochrome, I like it, that Octavia, um, they've done some really nice Yeah, Octavia things. nice. They're a little bit thick. thick a little bit. Thick. Yeah, the, the, the mechanism. But that's Octavia. 
they have a, a proprietary hairspring that if you take it apart, the hairspring has Tag Heuer like etched in it. The hairspring. You go, that's insane. That is pretty insane. <laughs> but they're like, because they're proud of that, 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 that piece, right? But they need to find some really good new designs because, because let's be honest here, that you presented it in that episode, Carl, the celebrity endorsement. You shared Ryan Gosling with that. Mm-hmm. And I said, if Ryan Gosling wasn't wearing that watch, no one knew no one what would it was. Give a shit. <laughs> yeah, true. It was terrible. It was so boring. Yeah, it was. and I'm surprised he was wearing it too because he the guy is like very very yeah, but I, famous I have a good for watch for collecting. Yeah, money, money, money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but there's also a limit, right? Because there's, there's money and the potential to damage your career in the sense that like wow. if you take yeah. that, which who cares? maybe who not cares? Watches. Nerds. Why yeah, watches. Watch, not watch, watches. watch enthusiasts even there. Not like, with watches, yeah, but I mean like when you, when they <laughs> pick the only movies, ones watching him there go fuck you, you wear a tag, throw something at him. Yeah, not with watches for sure. Throw a rock at me. Because like if they pick a bad movie, they get paid a lot of money, but it flops, they could ruin their career, right? Sure, yeah. It happened before, but for a watch, yeah, though, watches, no, watches, no. <clears throat> well, Nick Cage is just yes, what, what ruined his career? Yeah, nothing. Every crack it. <laughs> Goddamn psychosis. It wasn't because he wore a fucking Casio and like uh, face off. <laughs> he did. <laughs> what he did? No. Oh, okay, but maybe that's because he didn't. Then, so next watch. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Next watch. <laughs> maybe when he was tra- Travolta. <laughs> maybe she, he shouldn't have wore. Travolta's face exactly in the movie maybe that's why maybe that's why, career. maybe that's why he's in jail making such realistic movies like Face Off or Con Air <laughs> just wears put the bunny back in the box alright alright okay so my second pick uh, it's actually a tutor a tutor yeah it's not, not a tutor yeah it's my so favorite tutor the watch the watch uh, in question is the Tudor Submariner specifically reference 7928 it's famous uh, in the, among, the fan, among, among the fans. It's called Square Crown Guards. Uh, a little bit about Tudor. We did an episode before. We talked about Rolex and history, but kind of quick summary. The brand name Tudor was registered in 1926 by Hans Wilsdorf, who is the founder of Rolex. Tudor. So uh, a German guy who started the most famous Swiss company in England. In the <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <true>. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, so uh, he he name was registered in 1926 and he took it over in 1946. Initially, uh, Tudor was positioned as a cheaper version, a more affordable version. I want to say cheaper, more affordable version of Rolex. What they were doing is that they were using Rolex cases and uh, using and putting off the shelf movements to create more affordable versions of whatever Rolex watches were affor- uh, available at that, at that time. Uh, first Tudor was released in 19. First Tudor diver was released in 1954. Uh, it was called Oyster Prince uh, Submariner. Uh, the reason why they call them Oyster is because Rolex released um, watches and called them Oyster uh, cases. So yep. Oyster, very simple after the the sea mollusk, uh, which is, I guess, very good at... Uh, being hard? Being... <laughs> listen, <laughs> stop talking about the sexy being, mollusks being, here. Being, being tough? <laughs> I guess uh, very good at keeping water away. Uh, so their sport line of watches became uh, Oyster watches. Or oyster cases. So oyster prints, Submariner reference 7922. Uh, it wasn't released by itself. It was released one year after the first Rolex Submariner. So they reused the same case as Rolex. And this is pretty much the story with Tudor throughout their history. Uh, Tudor has been releasing many Submariner references until the reference 7928, <laughs> uh, which was released in 1959. And it, it was dubbed the classic Tudor Submariner. It was the first one to feature distinct square crown guards. Uh, why I like this watch also is that this is this watch, and I really love the knurling on this watch, and this is why I like your Pelagos more, is because it has a more aggressive, more pronounced knurling. 
on the on the bezel. Yeah. So that one has very very pronounced. I would say like aggressive knurling on the bezel. I, f- I love that. It, to me, it's amazing. Um, that watch also was in production for about ten years. During this time, Rolex was also producing some of their most famous subs, specifically reference fifty five twelve and fifty five thirteen. Uh, this watch, the Tudor, f- was featuring a, a, a wide self-winding caliber, uh, Fleury caliber 390. It was 200 meter water resistant, and uh, it had a deep knurling on the bezel. I think it's a unidirectional bezel also. Uh, there's also a tropical bezel variation of the 7928 uh, reference, and it's to be it's considered to be one of the most sought after Tudor submariners ever. Uh, today, let's say if you go to Chrono 24 and try to buy uh, this watch, you can probably find it for about 15k USD. But if you want to go for that, like a blue dial, that's tropical th- version, yeah, that's a lot more money. I, I want the the blue, the blue with the snowflake. <laughs> yeah, can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Can so you imagine what would happen to the watch industry if Tudor released the Submariner. <laughs> 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 I mean. Yeah. Do they use the same? Do they use the same production line as Rolex? Do they I heard that I heard that they have some similar suppliers, but no. By the way, it's curious because we never talked about it. So Rolex makes what like one point five or a million right per year. Yep. What about Tudor? Is it separate or is it part of that calculation? No, I think it's separate. Yeah, it's separate. I wonder how much Tudor they make. Watch. Because yeah, Tudor uses their cases. I, well, no, sorry, they use new cases. Sorry, no mind. Now they're separate. They used separate. to use their cases. Oh, many watches the Tudor makes a year. I've heard. The last output numbers that we have, it's 2015, 200,000. Which is a lot still. It's a decent number. It's more than a lot yeah. of famous companies. But more than Patek's, IWCs. Let's be honest here. Tudor didn't re-enter North America till like 2009. Yeah, but then, that, but then they started killing later it. In that no, I know, I know. Slaying, but slaying I know, but customers. They're, but they're coming from behind, right? You know, you got to take all those Breitling Omega buyers out of That's them. That's what she said? She's coming from behind. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a good pick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's on my list. I I want uh, a Tudor Submariner from my birth year, ninety three. That's my that's my objective. It's like fifteen k, like fourteen. Yeah, it's too it's too new. You can buy it like yeah, it's it's not even old world yet. <laughs> yeah, you can still buy it with full <laughs> no. warranty. <laughs> <laughs> new old stock. <laughs> There's a great article I read about like should you buy a birth year watch? Why not? Why you should? It's interesting. You should read it. I think it was on Fratello. I, so uh, maybe it's so a, it's send me a link. Uh, me buy uh, a watch. <laughs> no, I think it'll give you some perspective. <laughs> on what? I, I just want to watch. I just need like yeah, I, I want to watch. I forgot, I forgot, a, a I forgot for how fucking stupid you are. You have no uh, depth <laughs> to any of your thoughts. <laughs> I want it. I want what it now. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I'm trying to get into my brain. No, thought. I don't need to consider this. But what I was thinking is, if one day I have like some spare change for um, uh, Twitter like that, I'll go with the. Company you use for uh, sorting, uh, finding your Seiko. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Give them some. Uh, Which some company was that? DC Vintage. Oh, really? Okay. Because I, I want to get a, a, my birthday or watch, but it's going to have to be like one of those pocket watches or like World War One, <laughs> World War One trench watch. <laughs> this, this is the first thing on it. This is the first thing on it. And that's what Everything you say about me is swastika. I'm not German. <laughs> No, but, no, but it's the I, it's the idea. <laughs> what idea <laughs> for, for the Aryan race? What are we talking about? <laughs> well, you're the one talking about purity of your watches. Like <laughs> I never talked about my purity. You all said that earlier. Cut, like all oh of it. All of it. <laughs> so what do you got next, Carl? Oh yeah, sorry, it's my turn. I was looking at uh, submariners. <laughs> so talking about uh, Germany, 
The next watch is from <laughs> Zin. <laughs> um, so it's the Zin EZM-1. Oh, they said the one they they did a re-release this. Yeah, they re- released okay. a limited edition. It's great. Yeah, so it's fucking awesome, man. It was originally designed for the uh, Elite ZUZ. Eh? There are two different Z there or Z there. EZM dash one. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> but it's still on the website though, on the Zen website. The yeah, yeah, that's a one, that's right? a limited re-edition. Uh, uh, the mission timer. Yeah, it's okay. a bit different than the new one they have. Okay, I'll explain why. Um, so yeah, the. ZUZ unit uh, of the uh, in the armed force within the German Custom Investigation Bureau. So it's the I'll try to not be too too bad. It's the Einsatzmeister. So EZM. <laughs> it's like three words. Those good old compound words from Germany. <laughs> um, it's pretty practical. Uh, it was built to be uh, highly eligible in any uh, lighting condition. So the original one um, uh, add. Um, What's the tritium? No, not tritium. Yeah, tritium uh, on the uh, markers on the dial. Yeah, tritium. Yeah, I was just making sure it was it had the right uh, information. So the crown and the pushers are on the left. Um, Destro case. Is it really Destro? As soon as everything's on the left, is yeah. that's the Destro, definition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just like what does it stand for? Destro. No, destroy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> destroy. 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 <laughs> um, so. It has chronograph function. It's a 60-minute counter. And uh, it the 60-minute uh, uh, is on the um, on the bezel. Something I like about that watch oh, is... Sorry, I have to. Uh, I, I found it. So, so what Dextro means? The term Destro in watches refers to a watch with a crown on the left side versus the right. Destro means right in Italian. Destra for feminine. Oh, God. Not... <laughs> yeah. It's one so of those like Starbucks. Oh, it's a venti. Yeah. No, just large. Just give me a large one, please. The venti means twenty, right? Yeah. 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 Oh. No, but I mean, like, oh. destro also means something. Yeah, but means like, just say it's a left-handed. Yeah. 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 No, right it's a destro. Italian. Yeah. So oh. it's it's a pretty clean watch. No, no, but uh, wait. It, destro means right in Italian, not as in correct, but right in relation to direction, yeah. and placement, or something. Okay. Yeah. Which is it's just the same thing as Starbucks uh, Grande Venti. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where you get the term destro. It simply means a lefty watch, not to say that destro watches are for left-handed from watch the collector. DC universe. No, destro is a fictional character from G.I. Joe series. Yeah. I prefer it's that. Anyway, so that's why destro. So this is a destro mm. chronograph. Yes. Zen EZM. Yeah. One. So mission timer. The original one was forty millimeters. Was full titanium, uh, and was only uh, without the. Uh, the, the bracelet was only uh, 61 grams. Um, Two-channel, like I said, it had a Lemania uh, 5100 movement, which is rarely seen in watches. It's not a common movement. <laughs> so, you know, Zin love to do stuff uh, <laughs> that's common. Uh, and a and big difference with the new one, the re-edition that they have right now, it's the EZM 1.1. Uh, it's limited to 500 um, units. It's not like the original one in uh, titanium, and now it's in uh, the uh, tegament steel. Tegumented steel, yeah. Tegument steel. And also there's a second hands, and there's the um, uh, uh, chronograph hands as well. So there's like four hands on the new one. The original one only had three. Yeah. So they had no uh, seconds and um, yeah. over. So it's one less hand. I felt it's a bit more zen uh, on that front. Well, it's because you didn't need it. The moment you needed to count seconds, it was to activate the central second yeah. chronograph. I did a watch very similar to this exact watch mm-hmm. as an alternative is the Damasco yeah. DC-80 um, 
that's a Destro case yeah. with har- hardened ice submarine steel. Mm-hmm. Well, this was the Tegament, yeah. which is incredibly strong in Vickers. You can't scratch this even if you wanted to. Yeah. The original one was in titanium, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, so, yeah. So, that. Right now, the limited edition ones are really expensive for a Zin. They go oh, for like five thousand bucks, ten thousand oh, on Chrono. Okay. On Chrono, yeah, but yeah. you they were five thousand new, I think. When you yeah, yeah, them but up. limited edition. I'm pretty sure I, still I, on the website. I, I don't know if there's new. Them. Right? I was looking at them when I picked up my Aquamarine five five six. Yeah, that was uh, there. I remember because it was Watches Wonders, right? And I was like, damn, and that watch is wonderful. And the person who has that watch who just sold it was Tim Mazzo. Oh, he mm. had the Aquamarine. Well, not that one. He had no the, the EZM one. The that EZM. One? The one that one, but he had a, a special anniversary edition of that watch that came out in like 2016. He'd worn it for the last five years straight. And he sold it for uh, the um, the war of uh, Ukraine to help a relief oh, effort. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he made a ton uh, of like money for it. Yeah. Yeah, he sold it at auction and made more than a two-tone Submarine or GMT that they had in at Watchbox. And he was like, ah, my watch picked up more because a lot of people wanted Tim Mossel's watch. Yeah. <laughs> and now he picked up, uh, now he had a Reuter that oh, was yeah? given. Yeah. Okay, so he, he sold it f- f- to support... The Ukraine. relief in Ukraine. Well, you donated it. Oh, he donated the money. Yeah. Or yeah, he yeah. pledged to donate the money no. like Amber Heard. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> it, the, uh, it came out today, huh? The, um, the verdict? Yeah. It was a wash. It was stupid. Well, yeah. It's well, it's she owed 10 million to him and he owed 2 million to her. Yeah, but. Yeah, she was 8 million, right? Total? No, total? no, no. It was, wait, it was 15 million maxed at 10 million, but he owes her 2 million, but he also gave her 7 million in the divorce settlement. So it pretty much becomes a wash. Yeah. Oh, she's, uh, she's uh, like... She's, uh, she's, oh, they're, they're, both million, right? they're both horrible people. I know, I know. I know. But she's, like, she's, she's going to go bankrupt damn. for sure. Because uh, the thing is that bankruptcy is not going to protect her from the from one of those I don't know if she'll bankrupt. She didn't make any money off of this or lose any. Huh? I don't she's, think so. You she, think she's she, going to make... She's not going to lose any money? She had I don't seven think she lost anything. For him? She got seven million from him. He owes her two. So she's at nine. And she she owes him ten. I thought the minus eight is a delta. I thought she was fifteen, so whatever. No, she but it's maxed at ten. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah there's like a, a okay. Virginia there's, like, there's a Virginia oh. law that caps. So she's at ten, and then he owes her. She owes well, him nine. She doesn't have anything then. Exactly. So, okay. No, it's okay. She, she's gonna find another rich guy. Oh, no, she's, so she's next one. Yeah. yeah, she she got <laughs> yeah, money yeah. from Elon Musk, right? When they were there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I think that that's an as a place in the market, and I, I kind of like limited edition. Now it's ten thousand dollars. Like, ugh, like it's really nice. People want that watch, yeah. So but I would wait because I think Zin will come out with another reissue of that EZM timer. I love that central seconds chrono. It's awesome because mm-hmm. you don't need to activate. You want to see seconds, you activate it, and it's all very hidden very well in that at the yeah. 12 o'clock position. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Um, it's a great watch. That was my second pick for watch I should bring back. Now, I'm going to travel to Japan. I am going with a Seiko. You know, keep things in, in line. I'm going with a Grand Seiko. The Grand Seiko Milgauss, I call it. It's the SBGX. Do <laughs> you have a watch from Italy after that? <laughs> exactly. When Germany, when Japan. You have an Italy pick? No. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, Only German. <laughs> SBGX 341. This is a Grand Seiko. You know, as we as you might know, um, Grand Seiko recently celebrated its 140th anniversary. So there were a lot of limited editions that came out. And this was another one that, that did come out a couple years ago during that 140th anniversary. A lot of the Grand Seiko quartzes have always caught my eye. There was the GMT limited edition, the SBGN023, which I really liked. But it's one of these like Grand Seiko sports watches, the Grand Sports that that have uh, these very intricate dials, has a the really nice uh, sunburst, mm. and you know it it 
it has it's a sports watch 200 meters water resistance it has that beautiful that great 9f uh quartz movement and it's expensive however what they also came out with which never made it to the to the um outside of the japanese domestic market was these the grand seiko sbgx 341 the the call it the grand seiko milgoss this watch has a really wonderful appeal it's very striking to me it has a that 44gs case that grand seiko 44gs that legendary one and this watch with 200 meters of water resistance is an can do everything it has a stunning white dial with the outer track having different parts of the watch in red it reads boldly on the dial magnetic resistance of 40,000 amperes per meter which is the equivalent of 500 gauss not a mil gauss so to give you an idea of just how many gauss you need for what uh seven two two hundred yeah that's what i said so this watch has four thousand f uh five hundred uh, gauss two hundred and fifty gauss is the worst that you can experience in an in an uh, an MRI machine, and you don't want to watch there, like <laughs> exactly. You like, <laughs> but that 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 exposes you to between two hundred and fifty and three hundred gauss. So mm. anything above that, it's like gravy. It's like and, I don't know where you're then working. There's a ball watch who can survive. <laughs> exactly. An atomic bomb, but that's it. <laughs> but even like a mil gauss, like, well, this one's fifteen thousand gauss. You're like, well, there, there's no point. And a lot of them, the reason why they go, man, how did Omega or a lot of these other watches? even Rolex like all their watches like why are they able to be so anti-magnetic and they're so th- it's because all the components are no longer made of steel yeah you know also I'm going to make a silicon hairspring there's no magnetism that can get caught in the silicon right so this watch 40 millimeters it is angular it is rugged it has a beautiful white dial the indices on this watch are just absolutely so much fun because some of them are, have a green loom and some of the indices have a blue loom. It mm. really makes it a scientist. So, so when you say some, it's uh, 12, 3, 6, 9. So 12, 3, 6, 9 is green. green. The hands are in green and then all the other indices and dots uh, above the indices are blue. Are blue. The watch um, has an orange kind of track around the 6 and 9 and the yeah. 12 and 3. Give you a nice balance. So The angular case is just something that's remarkable. Grand Seiko finish with the Saratsu polishing, diamond mill two-tip taken to all the indices, and a screw-down crown at the four o'clock position. This watch wears at 40 millimeters, so it's perfect size. Sports watch, dress watch, do everything you want with this watch. I wish they re-released it. I've tried to find it. You can find this watch for between three thirty-five hundred and four thousand dollars Canadian on Chrono Twenty Four. What's the movement again? Brand new. It's the nine F quartz. So accurate within uh, 10 seconds a year. It's hmm. pretty cool. Absolutely. And does it represent one of those one billion season in Japan? <laughs> no. Absolutely not. No. Just the, It's like the red, blue, and green represent those threes in that region. The first two weeks the of Japanese, March. The Japanese Milgoss. I was looking at this version with the, the, the Superman of it, but with the ceramic bezel. But this is just a remarkable watch. I love this watch. It's been on my, it's on my short list, and I really love it. I really like Seiko in general. That's why. <laughs> Yeah, Seiko is good very pick. cool. Good pick. That's my second pick. Uh, yeah, second. third pick. 
All right. Th- no, it's your second pick, I think. Pick. Uh, you, my third do we have time for one more? Or are we two more, man. We're I got to go for the other two. 47 minutes in. Yeah, we got one more each. Minus uh, I got to go to. I, I, I have really interesting I, picks. I have one. I saved the best one for last, so I kind of want to go for it. Also. Go, go for it. Go. Start with the best one. <coughs> no, no, no. It has to be last, though. It has to be last. There's a reason for it. Go for you, So, next one, again, going back to Hans Wilsdorf, except we're not deviating to the cheaper version of the watches that they make, the actual. Uh, it's not cheaper it's different uh, I, I know I'm just kidding. <laughs> different <laughs> different in a way of spending less money to purchase it <laughs> <laughs> so you so, know in marketing you don't say cheaper you say affordable yeah 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 sure 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 <laughs> priced in a different segment <laughs> <laughs> so we're going back to Rolex uh, actually when we did an episode about divers and guys check it out uh, uh, I, I, th- I can't remember the number it's one of the early I think it's episode 27 if I'm not mistaken uh, yeah, we did an episode about divers, so I talked about uh, Rolex and the history of Rolex. Rolex actually is one of the first divers ever uh, to be created. Uh, the watch in question that I wish they brought back is called Rolex Oyster. So it's the first watch that Rolex made uh, using and creating the name of the case, calling them, calling them Oyster. It's one of the first diver watches ever. It was the first watch to feature an Oyster case. The name actually was borrowed from 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 a very famous <laughs> sea mollusk. Pretty much all Rolex watches today, except for a few dress models, feature an Oyster case. Uh, there were initially two different models released, one of the hexagon-shaped case and the other one with a cushion case, which, by the way, Panerai uses to this day, pretty much. Mm. <clears throat> uh, back... Uh, back then, Rolex was a young brand, and Oyster cases wasn't its main focus because they didn't really seek uh, diver watches until like mid the 20th century. Yeah. Uh, and only years later, Rolex began to make watches almost exclusively using Oyster cases. Some of the some of the I think most distinct uh, features of this watch, uh, it, first of all, it's an absence of the crown logo because the crown logo itself wasn't created until the 1930s. It has a very very large onion crown, which I love. And it has um, a fluted bezel, kind of similar to what you see on the Datejust today, but it's a little different because it's 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 more kind of on to, sitting on top of the watch, right? Because it's a large cushion case. I'm going to send you guys a picture. Uh, another thing that I wanted to say is uh, why it's a significant watch in history, because at some point Rolex created a specific um, module that they fit over their movements to allow those movements to be automatically wound. And hence the name Oyster Perpetual was born. <laughs> like literally everything, everything that you know today, like in the simple. names of cases, it's so simple. It's so stupid. It's so simple, right? That's like, what. What does it look like? Ah, you know those oysters I hate today. <laughs> same, 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 same. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of this watch. Uh, I wish they brought it back as like a limited edition. It's it's just it's such a cool design. And I wish there was more. And I think I, I have a bit of a soft spot for that style because, you know, that's part of the reason why, let's say, Vacheron Constantin Historic American is one of my favorite watches because it has a similar shaped case. I kind of do like Panerai. Uh, maybe not as much, but uh, I do love that that, 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 that that case. So that's my second pick. Uh, my third pick, actually. Good pick. Uh, but if, if it were to bring it back, do you want it to be still like, 34 millimeters. <laughs> uh, I don't think it was. I, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't think it was a 34. I, I didn't check actually. Those years, no, 36. Maybe? No, but it's a really large watch. I don't think it was a 34 because it has very thick. The the bezel is very thick outside of the dial. I, I think this one yeah, was probably closer to 40. Oh yeah, I think oh, okay. so. Which one? The Rolex Oyster. What year? 1926. 
Oh yeah, has to be thirty-four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you think? Yes. Uh, well, design-wise, look, maybe it was forty. I, 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 I don't know. I think it looked like it, but it's like thirty-four, and it's even smaller than you think. It's thirty-three by thirty-three. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. yeah, those years are really super so small. Thirty-eight point thirty-eight point five corner to corner because it has those. Yeah. Okay. Those lugs, but that's a really beautiful one. So, so yeah. yes, I definitely want it to be more larger. Yeah, so, than that. Wh- what size would you want it then? I would say it should be within forty. 40? 40 would be cool, yeah. 36. I, I, yeah, I was about to say 36, 36. or 38, I think. Uh, there's also because a lot of background. Uh, well, yeah, sure. Right? It's still, well, it's still good on your wrist, though. But perhaps. Mm. It's kind of those things that you probably have to see to decide which size is good. But they made two different versions, and I sent you two different pictures, right? One of them was that uh, hexagon yeah. version, and the uh, other one is that. I prefer the cushion one more. Yeah, me too. Cool. Nice pick. Uh, so, my last pick. Uh, it's also from Tudor. Tudor. And it's not a Tudor. I'll, I'll try to see if we can guess it. I'm pretty sure Kevin will because, you know, it's Kevin. So it's not the sub, but it has to be the best kept secret of the brand for the longest time. Like recent years, though. Oh, yeah. I think I know what it is. I just I forgot the name. Uh, the advisor. Yes. Yeah, advisor. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it was the most complicated Tudor in the range and still is to this date. Um, so. Released back in 2011, so the re-edition, because the original one was 1957. Thank you to put beer on my laptop. I appreciate that. It was closed. <laughs> Who cares about your laptop? Yeah, Seriously. I know. I know. I need to change it. It's like old now. Really? Like what, two years? Five? Really? Yeah. That's it? Yeah, mine's six. Still going. Yeah, not really well. it. It's, it, it's still it's, going. It's, but. it's crawling. It's not really going. It's <laughs> moving. <laughs> but actually, my like the bottom, the bottom right part of my keyboard doesn't work. Like the space bar and the buttons here don't work. <laughs> I'm serious. Oh my god! Like when I type certain yeah. words in the address Avoid bar, like, the I, I, yeah. I can't, I can't type them. Yeah. To, bring well, up the to be fair, my laptop, I just need to change the battery in it. That's what I should do. Okay. Yeah. It's just don't have an old chart as it, as it used to. Let's go back to your tutor. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's so something interesting. 2011. Um, they released that way before Instagram was a big thing for watches or the even like marketing. Kind of before the huge like uh, vintage re- reissue as well. Like a, we saw it later years with everything that's guilt that Kevin is not able to anymore. Guilt, I can't trouble. even. <laughs> I can't even right now. <laughs> and uh, even um, and when I was researching that watch, it said that in 2011, Twitter wasn't available in North America. Yeah. So you said 2009, 2011, it wasn't still. It wasn't even available in North America. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't selling, I guess. Um, at least in the United States in 2011. Um, so the advisor, the uh, one was, like I said earlier, was uh, um, to pay homage to the original one from 57. So the original uh, uh, dual, dual crown advisor uh, didn't really add much fe- feature. It was a forehand and it, me- it measured 34 millimeters. Featured a red um, hand for the alarm setting, so that was the only thing that was really different on that watch. If if you look here, there's a quick picture. Does it look like much? No, it's not. It 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 works with the likes of it works with the likes of the Volcan Cricket, yes, the Jagellonic Memo Vox, mm-hmm. different alarm mechanical alarm watches, yeah. which is not a very uh, is not a very easy complication to master. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this one was interesting is that the Tudor advisor, yeah. Yeah. it has a power reserve for the alarm. Yes, on the new one. On the new one. 
The old one just looked like a tip. Uh, uh, an, an I just added another hand. Another hand, just like the Memovox. Yeah. Very similar. But, though, but me, they had a value back then yeah, to have an alarm on your watch to set a time, yeah. right? Yeah. For me, it almost looked like, like a GMT without the GMT bezel. <laughs> There's like a yeah. another hand on it. Another right? hand, yeah. But it was a different complication entirely. Yeah. It was made really cool. So the, fit, the one from 37 didn't look like much. Uh, and the modern iteration was in modern 2011. Um, they went in a different direction, but I feel that I, for me, they did it well. Right, because there's a lot more going on on that dial on the new one. Right. Um, so it's now it's at 42 with titanium, 100, 100 meters water resistance, uh, but uh, with a f 49 millimeters lug to lug span, it, we're pretty comfy. Right, it's not too uh, too too big, too too short. <clears throat> the big thing is at that time they were using the ETA uh, 2992 as a base. And they had their own in-house mechanical alarm module on top of it. So that was the first um, big project for MT series. So the um, manufacturer in-house from Tudor. That was yeah. our first big project as a group internally for the engineers. Right. Um, that watch was available for uh, around 6K uh, USD new. So a lot of watch because at that price for having an alarm function, it was... Like double. You can't, exactly. <laughs> Everyone else, right? But I just feel that they did it really well. It was on my radar for some time. It fell off. And then went back on like the week they announced that it was going to be discontinued. Right. So the new one has that pusher uh, at uh, eight to put the alarm on off. There's a two crown, one for setting the alarm, one for setting the time. And there's uh, the um, at, at six, there's a subdial for the date as well with 31 in red. Um there's just enough going on that dial, I feel. Like the red is a really nice touch. Yeah, it's really yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's, um, well, there's there's three color schemes. So there's silver, black, and what they call cognac. But uh, cognac for me is a bit more burgundy. <clears throat> kind of cognac do you drink? That's what, what kind of cognac they drink. Uh, that's what they called it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just feel that the advisor has a place like in the Tudor range. Uh, I yeah. feel they should bring it back. It was like so unique. Also, what Rolex does that, <laughs> right? Like that's what you're saying with like the Pelagos sometimes. Like they don't, there's no Rolex doing it. Yeah. Like there's no Rolex doing the advisor. No, they're not. Do whatever, get whatever you like. But, yeah. you know, if you're going to get a Tudor, get the one that Rolex is not making. Yeah. So, so yeah, I really like this one. And I was, when I was researching for this, I was like, should I talk about the North flag? Because it's also nice. I know, yeah. But this one's a bit more unique. And just the way that it, it, I felt it was a nice transition, I feel, between the Tudor in the, in the US to now Tudor what it is. It was the first movement that their MT team, the engineering, did. Now they have like the hint house that, in like my Pelagos and stuff like that, right? That North flag was great. It just needed a few changes to it to be a little bit more appealing. More main spread. It was in a house movement, integrated bracelet, had all the fuss, but you had these like yellow marks. It was a little too, it was very brushed. It was like the Eric of Twitter. <laughs> kind of, but it, it had difficulties, right? The, the, yeah. the North Flag was like, but gosh. you know what? I think there's a sp spot as well for a new generation of North Flag down the road. They need to, but I think there's, like I said, that watch needed, I thought, a few changes to really make it yeah. a, a like an a appealing watch for everything, you know? It just like, because you like, took away the yellow accents, which I think gave it some charm, but could have been a perfect all-around watch. Uh, and also, it just needed maybe a little bit 
a polish. Yeah. The wash was brushed like through and through. It is rough. I was like, gosh. I do like brush stuff though. Yeah. But like, yeah. 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 But, uh, and I think the advisor was on your shirtless at some point. I was. I love it. The burgundy one. Yeah. On the steel bracelet. They call it cognac. Cognac, yeah, sorry. (laughs) Cognac with the mocha bracelet. Exactly. I've seen pictures of people putting that burgundy cognac one on different letter bands. It's nice, huh? Oh, God. And it's just, it's like, wow, what is that? And you're just like, oh, that's a tutor. And it's like, yeah. It doesn't really matter, but it's like a really complex tutor. It's really great. The alarm, though, is really aggressive. Yeah. Uh, It sounds like those old, like, alarm, the metallic one, like, yeah but that and that's kind of oh, yeah? and yeah. that's what makes it impressive yeah. because it's literally needs to generate this sound mm-hmm. in a case that's no thicker than 13 12 millimeters yeah. thick right yeah uh but it's, it's like a cricket on like cocaine <laughs> that's why they call it the vulcan cricket yeah <laughs> yeah but you know so yeah that was my last pick you, right? you went you went crack it <laughs> crack it <laughs> not cricket <laughs> crack it on cocaine yeah <laughs> All right. That's a really good that pick. A good pick so yeah. I'll go with my third pick, my final pick, and then Dimitri can finish us off. Um, yeah, you off? <laughs> finish you off? Yeah. Look me in the eye. I have the <laughs> um, look me in the eyes. So I can finish. Uh, Hope you finish fast. I know you'll probably do it. <laughs> Though I went with the Rolex. I actually went with um, probably one of my favorite Rolexes ever, the Rolex Oyster Quartz. Rolex had begun their research into this electronic typekeeping in the early 50s, well before the quartz crisis that came about in the 1970s. In 1952, they actually had submitted their first patent um, for an electromechanical watch. Mind you, the 50s, was there were a lot of electronic watches. My Hamilton is one that gives you a good example where the battery would be driving a manual transmission. So it wasn't just a a quartz oscillation. so the 50 patents issued by Rolex between 1960 and 1990, 21 of them were for electronic watches. Um, so the first available quartz watch that was a quartz date 5100, introduced in 1970s, the watch shared a 20, uh, beta 21 movement that was developed by Rolex and 20 other Swiss brands. Uh, they were also used by other Swiss companies like Omega and Enicar. A total of 16 Swiss watch companies sold their own branded watches with the Beta 21 quartz inside. And Rolex produced only a 1,000 of these watches before beginning to develop their own quartz movement. And their quartz movement was incredible, and that would become the Oyster Quartz. In 1977, when after they had designed it, Rolex introduced their first completely in-house quartz movements, the 5035 and the 5055. And the date just, 5035, and the day date, 5055, Oyster Quartz models would house them. The watch comes in with 11 joule movement for quartz with the latest CMOS circuitry, a 32 kilohertz oscillator, and an analog, a thermal compensated quartz. Um, they were finished at even higher standards than the Rolex mechanical movements. Uh, and if you ever have a chance to see the movement, you'll understand why. Uh, Geneva stripes on the actual movement itself, normally found on mechanical movements. Uh, it's just, it's absolutely incredible. The watches were, they think they produced less than 25,000 Oyster Quartz watches that were ever produced. And the last reference, 17,000, appeared in the Rolex catalog. It was in 2001. They received chronometer certificates for quartz movements by the COS, uh, the COSC. That means that 2001 was likely the last year Oyster Quartz watches were produced. So, like you said, when the COSC releases their numbers, it gives you an opportunity to see. The steel and gold dual tone and gold models continue in the Rolex catalog till 2003, but then uh, models were finally depleted at that point. Hmm. Now, what makes this watch so appealing? It gives you, it is, unless you're 
anti-quartz. This is above all the best quartz you can get, kind of like the Seiko 9F. Is it a high-precision quartz? Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. It is like, a, yeah, it's very high-precision. It has the same type of like <clears throat> rotors to make sure that it hits every indice at the same time. It's dirty compensated. It's a, it, The finish is incredible. Dude, it has 11 joules. The Seiko 9F, I think, is like 9 joules for a quartz movement. The finish is incredible. It's COSC certified uh, as well. Um, and, of course, it was designed by no, uh, no other than Gerald Genta. Ah, God. The, only, the only Rolex that he ever designed was the Oyster Quartz. I, I didn't even know that he was working for Rolex. Oh, he designed. He, he did the design for them. <coughs> That's amazing. Absolute only. It does Gerald have a Genta similar Rolex. shape because it's an integrated <laughs> bracelet. <coughs> exactly. I feel like him mm. and integrated bracelets is a thing. It's a thing. And boy, did he uh, nail out of the park. Yeah, the Oyster did. Quartz is just a fantastic watch. Now, I didn't do what you guys have been doing, which is what is this watch going for? <laughs> so if I look at it, the, I think it's about ten, twelve thousand. You can get an Oyster Quartz. I did see one in, in um, where did I see it in the Big Short? Oh, yeah. So the guy who plays uh, s- um, the guy who's in Succession, what's the Kendall? Oh, Kendall. Uh, He's in the Big Short. And in the big short, he's wearing a um, a Rolex Oyster Quartz. Oh, nice. So the Oyster Quartz, yeah, you probably get one a good one for about about twelve grand. Really good quality. So it's quite expensive still. Oh yeah, you get a twelve grand Oyster Quartz for about uh, ten uh, ten grand, seventeen uh, two tone. I mean, sorry. I was watch. quickly also searching for my uh, birth year watch, and I uh, there's a lot of datejusts that look very very nice. Very nice, yeah. So that was my third and final pick. What nice. about you, uh, David? So I, I wanted to still do this pick because I kind of saved it for last. Yep. And uh, Kevin beat me to it, but I was going to start my sentence by saying that we can't go through an episode without mentioning General Genta. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> because the watch that I want to talk about is Universal Geneve Paul Router. Yeah. Um, I'll get to the specs in a bit, but uh, just a bit of a story. This is actually a super cool watch that I started reading into it. Uh, it's... It's as you as you, as you probably guessed. It's designed by Gerald Genta, who is probably one of the most famous names in the watch industry in the twentieth century. On this at podcast. least for sure. Well, yeah, in the twentieth century for sure. Like he's he's designed some of the most famous watches that exist today. Yeah, well, let's be honest. It's true. Uh, can you name a designer's name yeah. as many uh, home runs as him? Yeah, I, I can't. Very I difficult. Can't. Uh, uh, one of his most famous contributions to watch design was actually during his early days in the industry, almost 20 years before him working at uh, Ademar Piguet and Patek. He was mm. only 23 years old in 1954 when Universal Geneve asked him to design a watch to commemorate SAS. SAS stands for Scandinavian Airline System, which is a flag carrier in Denmark. Uh, it, it asked him to co- commemorate the SAS uh, flights over the North Pole between LA, uh, New York, and Europe. Initially named Polar Router, and 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 after that, after a year, renamed to Polar Router because I guess it was easier to pronounce. Um, that in 1952, SAS itself was the first airline to fly a transarctic commercial flight. A year later, they had a test flight between Norway and Alaska, making it the first ever flight over the actual geographical North Pole. And in 1953, SAS officially started flying Copenhagen to LA flights using uh, polar circle as a shortcut. I think they've saved something like 14 hours of flight overall. 
God when, damn, when they started doing shortcut this. is different trip. Yeah, yeah. because <laughs> 14 I mean, hours. Because back then, obviously, the airplanes were a bit different, and engines were not as powerful. They weren't going as fast as they fly today, right? So the flight itself, so they saved something like from 26 hours to they 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 shorted it to like 14 or something like that, right? Which is a huge achievement for sure. Um, officially released in 1954, uh, Polar Router featured a 34.5 millimeter case, and it had a, a Bombay uh, lugs. Of, which is one of the prominent features, a dateless dial with a textured inner ring, kind of like almost resembling a sector dial. Uh, a year later, the watch was renamed to Polar Router, and beyond beyond the name changes, Universal Geneva continued to produce these watches with a mi- with minor changes until around 1969. So, uh, over the period of 15 years, they've produced many different references. There's there are different colors. There's there are different um, materials that they've used. There's also a diver watch. Um, there's a lot of a lot of there's I think there's a website I can't find I can't remember what the name of the website but there's a website kind of like kind of like you can probably find a website that has the history of the Submariner there's a website that has the history of Pole Router so it's all reference numbers of all Pole Routers that I have existed yeah. have of it? course it's bookmarked what's Wait. it called? <laughs> the Pole Router reference is it the name of, what, what, yeah. so it's it's the Pole Router reference website okay perfect yeah. and you can put any reference <laughs> that you want here yeah. and you go into the galleries and find yeah. every single movement that was created God it's damn. wonderful uh, and what's great about like that movement hmm? most of them it is kind of like a speedmaster kind of like the the submariner like it's, mo- it's a cult uh, most of them were micro rotors so uh a polar rotors initially featured a bumper bumper of movements yes but then in 1955 they were equipped with a new at that moment that uh, uh, movement 2015 micro rotor movement uh, it was one of its kind uh, the only other similar movement was at that point used by hamilton the most sought-after watches, uh, versions of Polar Router, uh, have a date version. So they they have an interesting, um, they have an interesting trapezoidal uh, date window, and uh, they're extremely rare and very expensive. They were always positioned as high-end watches, and uh, and the 1950 editions of those watches used to cost as much as a Rolex Explorer. Yeah, absolutely. So initial run ended in 1969, and the watch made its return in late 80s and 90s with quartz models, which were really poorly received, and it's very hard to find them right now because I think they shut them down very quickly. Unfortunately, the company itself did not survive the course crisis, uh, and they don't exist today. I wish I wish it was one of those companies that some rich investor decided to buy the rights to and then mm-hmm. revive the company and started creating polar routers. The only thing... Kind of like the previous watch that I talked about, the Oyster, uh, the 34.5 millimeter case is too small. It has to be a bit more. But for that kind of watch, I think uh, a 36, 38 would be perfect. 38, it might be even too much. 36 would be fucking awesome. Yeah, 38 might be too much. Yeah. yeah. So that's my last pick. A great pick. Really good pick, man. Really good pick. Well, that just does it. Tell us, guys, what watch you think they should bring back, what they should re-release. I know that Raketa finally came out with a new Big Zero. Did they? I didn't yeah. see. It's actually quite nice. Very good modern interpretation of that watch. I'm not vibing these days on reissues, but damn it, some of these watches need to come back because they're really, really wonderful. So let us know what you would bring back and uh, which one would be on your short list. So thank you very much for joining us this week, and we'll see you next week. So if you enjoyed this episode, please reach out to us on Big Black Clock Official on Instagram or email us at bigblackclockteam at gmail.com. Send us your pictures, corrections, ideas, insults, and let us know if there are any pieces you want us to review. With, of course, the caveat that we can afford them. As always, be good to each other, eat good food, have some drinks, 
For those of you always watch shopping, happy hunting. Thanks for spending time with us, and we will see you next week.